Well, thank you and welcome. Welcome to those online as well. Um, I'm reminded, uh, even throughout the week, uh, getting ready for this weekend, how, how useful the, uh, the internet can be. Um, the opposite is also true. Um, there's a lot of garbage available. So it depends what you're looking for. You're going to find it. Um, and so I was very encouraged with some of the teaching I came across. And so sometimes you just, it's nice to hear somebody else's take on a certain passage or uh, an idea that you haven't thought of. And so there's a, a vast uh, library of great stuff online. Um, so today's uh, topic, what's my role in the church? And so I realized partway through uh, the week that this could be actually pretty intimidating to some of us. Um, what's John kind of trying to trick us into? Um, which committee is going to be highlighted this week? Um, who's begging for helpers? Um, uh, none of that's going to be part of my message. That is between you and God. Um, so the, the title isn't entirely fitting with where I'm going today, other than when we're living in step with the Holy Spirit, when we're, when we're trying to flesh out God's will for us, Ultimately, we likely will uh, find a place in a church somewhere to serve. That is typically what happens when we think of Samdi out in Thailand. Uh, when, he, when people come to faith, a church happens. And then there's tasks and there's committees and different things that need to be done so that the work of the church continues. And so we can't get away entirely from imploring our people to step up. Um, so there is a component of that here this morning, um, but the heart of the message is the church is actually the people, and so what's your role in the church? It may be here, but more likely than not, it's throughout the week somewhere um, where God is going to put a, an opportunity in front of you to be an ambassador, to be that voice for him. Um, I, I, and you're going to meet that with varying degrees of success. Um, for my experience, that's, that's where I'm at. Sometimes you step out and you try something, and it doesn't get interpreted the way you'd hoped. And then there's room for growth. And so that's the heart of where this title is coming from. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, it, it is just that message of calling us uh, because of what we find in the scriptures, this isn't just my idea. Uh, Ephesians 4 was a passage that, um, that has come to mind over and over again. Um, I was ordained as a lay minister at New Life Christian Fellowship a lot of years ago, and, uh, and that passage stood out to me. So what's my job? I've been asked to serve in a certain capacity. What's my job? Church leadership's role is to equip the saints for ministry. And we'll get into that uh, a little bit more. Before we do that, uh, a question that stood out to me that I was supposed to ask you was, how has your week gone? How, how, how are you doing coming in? Each of us has had um, a vast number of interactions with others, and, uh, and we bring that forward. Uh, thanks, Amber, for leading that prayer. That was really well done. Um, when we think of coming here, and uh, sometimes the encouragement, uh, as it was this morning, was, was to just try to, try to you know, let those distractions go. Uh, and yet, I find sometimes that maybe uh, along with that, we can also say, bring some of that heaviness in 
because we can't segment our lives like that uh, entirely. God has made us unique. Um, the way we're wired is, and, and sometimes when we're not wired well, we find that we have lots of different personalities, and there's a clinical diagnosis for that. Um, so we can't entirely separate who we are day to day. Um, that's actually not healthy. Um, so we bring what was our last week to, who we, to, to where we are this Sunday morning. And so I just thought, you know what, with that in mind, let's dive into uh, some thoughts and uh, just, yeah, just take, uh, take a moment to reflect on what's been, and, uh, and perhaps God will help you see what can be and what can come out of that. The emphasis for how long now has been upward, inward, and outward. I don't want to disappoint anybody in Meadowbrook and not say those things this morning, <laughs> right? But I think it's important to keep those, uh, those tenets, the things that we hold as priorities as a church, to keep reminding ourselves of that. Um, repetition has value, uh, much value, especially if we're looking to learn. One of the things that stood out, and we'll go to the slide where there's a dad trying to teach a son, looks like how to operate it. It must be a few years ago. Where's the cordless tools, guys? Come on. <laughs> what are we doing? There's a story of long ago. Actually, it's not that long ago. There was two boys and a dad. And they were building a shed. And this was in remote northern Alberta. And it might be me with my boys. <laughs> and the request from the dad was, let's go outside and build a shed. It might not have been exactly in those words. Um, but the response from one of them was, do we have to? I'll pay him later. Um, in my response, and in that moment, I, I think I had a, a, a nugget of wisdom, and I don't know where I got this response from. But my response was, you only have to if you don't want to. That's pretty crafty, right? So there's a shift internally that happens sometimes, and it turns our not wanting to into getting to, right? We only have to if we don't want to. And so this isn't some kind of manipulation for you this morning. Again, let me remind you, it's just one of those things that when there's a heart shift about a task or about even sometimes about our identity, um, if we shift that to uh, having to and, and shift that into a getting to, it just it makes a world of a difference. And so ponder on that. Uh, yeah, so the wanting to has come in seasons for me, um, and, and it's as a result of a, of a shift in the attitude. I'd like to back all the way back up and, and just read Ephesians chapter 4 for us. Um, this is Paul, uh, Paul the Apostle, and, uh, and so quite, a, quite a, a good passage for me uh, all the years that uh, we've made efforts to be useful in the church. Excuse me. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope 
when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its work. I think it's a pretty timely message for us in the season that we're in as a church. As we wonder about what's next uh, corporately as a body, Maybe what's next for you uh, individually? What's your role in this, in, in the season that we're in? Good questions. I'm glad you asked them. So uh, if we uh, back up to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll, we'll just, I'm going to go through and we'll put the passages back up on the screen, uh, starting at Ephesians 4 verse 1. Um, and I'm just going to make some commentary and work through uh, the passage a little bit. Um, not in great depth. Um, but I think, but I think overall, you know, again, keep in mind what your week has been, what, uh, what your responsibility perhaps and or privilege you have in responding to God's call, um, and in light of where we're at as a church. So Paul starts in verse one, uh, to me, what stood out was this was kind of an all encompassing instruction, um, you know, from Paul, he's a prisoner for the sake of, of the kingdom and so the question that stood out to me was, what areas of life are covered when it comes to living a life worthy of our calling? Maybe putting it a different way, when can we disconnect living a life worthy of our calling? And what areas do we not need to live like that? Anybody? Attitude. Thanks, Rick. Nice. So... The assumption is, is that all of our lives, all areas of our lives are to be lived as though we're living a life worthy of our calling. Maybe that's a no-brainer for you, but sometimes for me to stop and, and sort of re-ask that question, it helps to just drive it home. So sometimes in our reading of Scripture, we can miss some of these key setups. I feel Paul is setting us up, uh, the reader or the hearer, and... Uh, to have the best possible chance of grasping what he's saying. And in this case, he's starting with an instruction that sets up what's to come. Reminding the hearer that what is to come has come at a price. So Paul did not merely come across some good teaching that made him feel good, and subsequently he wants to share that with us. No, he paid a heavy price for the commitment that he made to follow Jesus. 
Uh, if you're not familiar with the story of Paul and his uh, missionary endeavors, it's a pretty fascinating story and uh, worth your time. He was called out of a highly religious effort, uh, had his heart transformed, um, and his life for a time just kind of ruined, and uh, all is a setup for him to be useful for God's service. Um, and he spent the, uh, the bulk of his life doing whatever he could to get the good news of Jesus out to as many as possible. Living a life worthy of the calling, uh, to me, is a reminder of the importance of effort. Not effort for our salvation. That is sealed when we give our lives to Jesus. Right? There's nothing we can do to add or take away from that in and of itself. We can't do things to earn it. Right? So that's not the effort I'm talking about. Uh, the effort um, is because of how deeply we appreciate what he has done for us. So it's a, re- it's a thank you response to something that we can't influence, but something that was given to us as a gift. Because what was done for us is something that we are so utterly helpless in doing ourselves, namely finding a way to be restored in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Apart from the finished work of Jesus on the cross, this is just not possible. And if somebody tries to tell you there's another way or be more open-minded, I'm sorry to say, but Jesus makes some very exclusive statements in the scriptures. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, that's very exclusive. And so we live in a world where that sounds judgmental and people can take offense to that. And I, I would say this, up until you're enlightened, up until you, you get it, up until God has done that work in your heart, you're going stru- to struggle. And you're going to find passages like that um, potentially contentious or offensive. Um, and yet these are deep truths that uh, these are the steps. These are the steps of a, of a believer, somebody coming to faith, recognizing just how wretched we are in our sin and that we can't do anything about it apart from the grace of God. The other thing that stands out is Paul's father-like tone in how he lays out the instruction for his children. Sometimes, um, you know, maybe it's, it's a birthday or a Father's Day or a Mother's Day, and, and a parent is asked, you know, well, what can we get for you? And, and, and the silly response from parents is, the best gift you guys could give me if you would just get along... Whatever. But isn't kind of that what's, and, and maybe a little more uh, as we get into the passage, we can hear that fatherly tone um, of Paul kind of instructing his children, right? And, and he's, he's acting on behalf of God, so this is also God's heart cry to us is get along. At a minimum, right? get along. And, uh, and we see that more specifically, Paul even takes and calls some people out by name in a few of his, uh, and I'm just trying to, I'm drawing a blank which, which book it is, but um, yeah. So then verse 2 sounds a lot uh, like another writing of Paul uh, where he lists the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, so character qualities that should be typical of the Christian fo- uh, believer, or the follower, Christ follower, and these come about. Uh, and we increase in them only through being intentional. 
So if we look at the list of, uh, of the uh, fruit of the Spirit, that's from Galatians 5, uh, verse 22. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These require effort. Unity, in verse 3, unity uh, comes through effort toward peace. Peace is usually not attained through a simple laying down of one's own will. It can. Often, though, we come across areas where we don't see eye to eye on something with someone, and it will involve forms of resolution or working things out. Lasting peace requires effort and often comes at a great cost. In verses 4 to 6, to further emphasize the need for unity, Paul has a list of one six times. When we make efforts to live a life that is worthy of the calling we received, it can be overwhelming when we look at all the work that needs to be done. Unless you're not like me and you've got it all figured out. I'm a work in progress. If we can narrow down to a purpose and agree on a set of values and, and, and the like, if we strive toward a set of shared goals, then we can chip away at a few things at a time and then change or continued resolve to move forward is not as difficult. And that's why we keep coming back to the inward, upward, inward, outward. Moving on to verses 7 to 13, the calling implies worth and value. When we get asked to serve on a committee or join in on a project or sense a nudge from the Holy Spirit, this means that something about who we are has been noticed. In God's eyes, we have value and worth apart from our performance or lack thereof. He loves us no matter who we are or what our struggle is, but like a good parent, he also sees that we are capable of much. He thinks so highly of you and I that through his son, uh, he has distributed gifts so that the church can be more fully able to flesh out God's will. The kingdom is better served when we join our gifts together. It may seem like it is easier to do life on our own, but we are inherently wired to need each other, partly because none of us have all of the gifts. Abilities uh, that we, or the gifts or the abilities that we need to live a complete and fulfilled life on our own. It works better when we do it as a church. So the gifts that have been distributed so that God's, they've, they have been distributed so that God's people, the church, are better equipped to do the work of the church. So then what's the next question? What's the work of the church? I think it's a fair question. And so I'm going to go over to our slide uh, where we state our mission uh, and vision and values. And this is, uh, yeah, I'm not getting paid by the board to uh, repeat these things. But again, this is our effort collectively. And we've agreed some time ago, these are the things that we hold to as important. Um, this is supposed to identify who we are. And, uh, and lots of churches have done these exercises and they look very similar. Um, but it's really good to keep, keep it fresh for ourselves. Meadowbrook exists to glorify Jesus and become more like him. That's a great aspiration. That's a great, uh, yeah, it's a great mission or va a vision. 
And then our mission, Upward, Inward, Outward, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. One of the next, the next slide, when we, uh, we look at these different words that have, that have been put together to try to live that out, the words are discernment, empowerment, resources, accountability, adaptability. And there's a few more that are being worked on right now. One of them uh, that we're tossing around is teachable. Are you teachable? And uh, I trust you are. And if you're like me, you need to work on it to be teachable, to recognize that, uh, that I need work, and, uh, and it's an ongoing thing. It, actually, it's a, life, a lifelong thing, and I don't say that to, um, to discourage you. Um, I, I think we need to hear that because if you're anything like me, um, our humanness gets in the way at times. And, uh, and we need to know that we're not alone in that, and it can be very hopeful um, when others, especially those, um, maybe you have some kind of an image of, of my own abilities and my own perfection. I'm not. Um, but I, I'm willing to try, and I'm willing to continue to work at things that God reveals need work. So we're well served to make an effort to mark a path and set out guideposts within which we operate so that we can measure how we're doing and make changes to do better. Ultimately, Meadowbrook does not exist as a self-serving entity. All of our churches, if they're a church of Jesus Christ, should be able to align uh, on several important tenets or values. What's the big picture? And from Pastor Chris, it's the, uh, what's the two words? Greg, you mentioned them last week again. Disputable versus indisputable. How are we doing with that? And, uh, and so, yeah, there are things that we're not going to align on entirely, but if those are secondary, third, fourth items, and our, our, our mission and vision and values pulls us together, we can get an awful lot done, even though we don't agree on 100% of the things. And so the, to represent the kingdom of God in whatever area of life or situation we find ourselves in, so that the good news of Jesus is shared. These kinds of uh, exercises in organizing help us to do that better. God is a missional God, after all. He's looking to rescue us. We, we see in the scriptures time and again, um, and Jesus has parables about um, the lost sheep uh, or the pearl, you know, and, and how the 99 sheep are left and the one is pursued and rescued. That was me. Right? I, can I can identify with that. I was bent, bent on living my own idea of what was cool, and, uh, and God ruined all that. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Church leadership has the task of helping to prepare those that come to be better equipped to flesh out God's will for your life, in all of life. The ultimate goal is so that God's people become mature. How you doing? I look forward to becoming mature. Mature and capable of being an ambassador for the kingdom. Not just showing up at church to appease our conscience so that people are impacted for the kingdom, ultimately. How do I go about discerning and discovering my gifts? There was a workshop that I would lead 
uh, when, when we were pastoring. Uh, and this was done at a conference convention. And maybe I've shared this before, but every time I went through this gifts inventory, the end result was I was not a pastor. And yet I was a pastor. <laughs> How does this happen? I'm very thankful for those that spoke church leadership into my life early on. Um, most of that was probably because of who my dad is. Uh, in, in a lot of, uh, especially a lot of our more traditional Mennonite backgrounds, my dad's fairly well known. And I don't know that I've come across, and people are mostly kind, right? So they're probably not going to offer the things that frustrated them about my dad, at least not on the surface, right? But there's, a, there's just a, a genuine appreciation for who he was. And, and he retired from uh, ministry uh, several months back. And so I, I feel a little more at liberty to talk about him. Um, one of the reasons that I don't know that everybody understood, one of the reasons that made him attractive to people because, was because he knows who Jesus is. And he wasn't necessarily able to share that all that openly across the pulpit. And I, I regret that. I would have loved that he would have had more freedom to do that, both organizationally and just even internally for himself. However, he's, he set a course that I could choose to do whatever with. And so whenever people are struggling to know who I am, I typically start there. You know, Wheatley. Right? And so that's preacher, preacher Peter Dyke's son, John from Wheatley. Right? And so, um, especially in certain settings, that reputation can be very, very helpful. <laughs> Ultimately, we moved, uh, we did nine and a half years in northern Alberta, and I moved there assuming that I did not have direct family. Uh, first day we were there, having a supper, having supper at somebody's home. There was a picture on the fridge, and I was like, who, who is this? I remember this photo in my mom's picture box. And uh, within minutes, we were related. <laughs> and it was like, you've got to be kidding. And then there's this huge dick family out there. And there, there was a, one of the families had like 50 kids. Not, not that many. Um, but there was, a, I think there were five sisters. Um, and they were fantastic singers. And the family, I, I think, as far as I knew, was very well respected. Many of them also in ministry. Um, and so it just, it's incredible to have that lineage to, I guess, ride on, in a, in a sense. And so there was, there was a, um, a very easy welcome for us over there, and I'm very thankful for that. But these are the kinds of things that when we look at giftedness and fleshing that out, what is the effect of that? Sometimes there's generational benefits to living a life in the fear of God. We have, uh, yeah, and, and so we're doing the same. We're trying to make that effort, and I'm very proud of my kids for their willingness to serve and to help and to try to be that representative of kingdom values. Um, it makes a, makes a parent proud. It makes our Heavenly Father proud. So there's values. Uh, there's a ton of value in gifts inventories. Like if you're trying to discover what God is calling you to, there's other tools that can be very helpful. Um, one of the things that I've experienced that's most helpful for me is just to start serving. 
show up. And then maybe you'll find that, no, oh, that's not really where I'm at. That's not for me. That's okay. Keep serving. And people are typically, and especially within the church, people are kind, right? At the, at the same time, and, and they should be, right? Not everybody, you know, has the calling or, or, or even perhaps the giftedness to come up and, and be up front to help song lead. Um, but that's such a small part of who the church is. These are the most visual aspects, most visual components of who the church is. M- most of what is highly moving in the kingdom, I think I'll say this, is outside of the church. I came across a statistic a lot of years ago that really hurt my heart. I forget what percentage of decisions for Jesus happen at the end of a, a service. It's actually not very high. Um, and again, we don't assemble every Sunday necessarily to make a choice for Jesus. Technically, we do. <laughs> but first-time decisions often don't happen here because of what happens on a Sunday morning. We come together, we get our batteries recharged, hopefully, and then we carry on and do the work of the church. And so, um, so it's vital. Sunday morning is vital. Um, but as far as an evangelistic effort or a missional effort, that's really not what church is about. The church is for, your, for our people to equip the people to do that, to be missional and to share the good news. With the advent of, uh, of the internet, um, I'm, I'm keenly aware anymore you know, of being careful what you say because this is going online, right? At the same time, isn't it amazing that it's going online and it's going to be there forever, right? And there's these testimonies and these stories of what God has done and is doing. And people can listen in and be encouraged and be convicted perhaps even and move closer to God. So God calls us to a life of serving others. We do live in a highly selfish world. Would you agree? Um, and, and I mean, I say that and knowing full well that um, I, I'm part of that affluenza. How long has it been since you heard that word? It's a, it's a condition. It's a disease. And, uh, and I think we, a lot of us, we're, we're yeah, we, we caught it. We're sick. Um, money and things and just our way of life even in the West has clouded um, how we look at others, what we feel, how we feel obligated to serve or not. Um, do we stop? Do we stop to help? <sighs> That's a complicated thing anymore, right? Because, well, we could be putting ourselves in danger. You're right. <laughs> There's a song that says, uh, safe is another term for regret. Is that, is that, am I quoting it properly? So we do have to balance that. And, and I've picked up hitchhikers in the past. And I, I would not advise you to do that, especially if you have your family or whatever. Anyways, maybe you shouldn't do that at all. <laughs> but we've also lived in parts of the world that aren't as unsafe. And I'll tell you, 
If ever there's a moment where somebody's captive, it's in, their, in your passenger seat of your car. They're not going anywhere up until you stop, right? So um, there's been some great opportunities that I've had or been a part of simply by being willing to be inconvenienced by somebody else. Stop and offer to help. One, a story time. Jerry can. Uh, I thought this guy was so creative. So he's walking along the road, and this is northern Alberta, right? And so walking along the road with a jerry can, you just assume he needs gas. He just needed a ride. <laughs> he was pretty smart about it because the jerry can was what stopped us, right? And uh, we didn't bring him to go get gas. We brought him home with an empty jerry can. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, just those kinds of experiences. Um, these are the kinds of ways that we can become more available to do our part, our role in the church. What is our role? Um, I was part of a church plant years ago, um, and recently I was part of it again. We had some of the first meetings in our home uh, to start that church, and then... Uh, Pastor Jake and Anna, they're pastoring the Leamington EMC Church now. Uh, they were finishing up Bible college. They came and gave leadership to that. And uh, I remember sitting down. I uh, was invited to a pastor's lunch. And uh, at the time, um, and, and again, feeling very inadequate, very young. Um, but in my own naivety uh, and open mouth, <laughs> we looked at what the guiding principles were for our churches in this region. And the very first thing on that list was to increase the, uh, the conference. And it jumped out at me. And I just asked the question, is that really first priority? Is that really what we're here for, is to make sure the conference grows? And it made no sense to anybody. <laughs> Why does the new guy have to point out the obvious? Sometimes God works in those ways, and it's obvious all of a sudden, but it hasn't been up until you're willing to stick your neck out, right? And I don't know if it was changed back, but that was taken and moved very far down the list. Because my response to that was, if the conference benefits from my efforts or what God is doing through me, that's awesome. But I'm way more a kingdom person than I am a conference person, right? And so I think there's value in reminding ourselves that it's, this isn't about Meadowbrook in and of itself. We are one of the churches that God wants to use in this area, in the world. And, uh, and I think it's healthy to remind ourselves of that. Um, yeah, there's, there's more going on than what's just happening at Meadowbrook as good as it is. The other thing I wanted to, I think, open up was uh, some time ago, uh, Pastor Chris did a series, and I, I can't, I'm, I'm not very good at dates and numbers because I usually get them wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's somebody nodding her head. That's not important. The importance is the outcomes. Some time ago, I heard the word discipline, and one of the forms of discipline that I'm familiar with is uh, in the gym. And uh, 
and there's been encounters. And so he, I'll back all the way back up, all the way back in 1993 when that gym opened up on Mill, in, in Mill Street in, in Leamington here. I was one of the first members. And, uh, and so I remember as a teenager feeling inadequate and very self-conscious about who I was, walking in and seeing these guys lift these pieces of steel and moving them. Wow. Right? What a base level thing to be impressed by. But guess what? That's what boys are impressed with. Spinning tires, loud noises, heavy things, punching each other. What an open door. And at that time, nobody had time for me. I was so impressed with these boys. Well, they were men. I was the boy. And it's interesting to be able to come back to this area. And it's almost like there's a cycle that's starting over for me. Now I'm the old man with old man strength, apparently. And these boys are walking in, and they're gobsmacked. Some of them have full-on man crushes. I'm not kidding. Lena has seen some of that. It's a little embarrassing. I don't know of a more open door than that. And I keep reminding them, too, look, like, you're impressed by this, but in all reality, I could fall down a set of stairs, and it could be all over just like that. Is my identity entirely wrapped on on the aesthetic of what I am or on how much I can lift? I hope there's more depth to me than that. Quite some time ago, there was a young man that uh, started chatting, and uh, he had one of these body types that was difficult, like mine. It takes a lot of work. I've, I've retitled it. I've told people that my body type is really efficient at adding insulation. It takes so much work, but the food tastes so good. And, uh, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's an awful lot of work uh, for, for somebody like myself. He shared that body type and was struggling, is struggling. Um, got to know him. He did, I didn't see him for several weeks, and all of a sudden he shows up, and he made a beeline for me, and he came over and apologized for not coming. I barely know this boy. And he feels like he has to come and apologize for not showing up at the gym. Oh, my goodness. I just, there was this moment of realizing what is going on. I'm, for whatever reason, able to impact these boys in a very profound way. This has been where God, and I tell people too, my ministry has been at the gym. And uh, it, whatever, it, it is what it is. I'm very thankful for it. Um, partly because of where I'm at physically now, right? I can, I can pedal my bike for X number of miles each morning and be surprised at the end of it that I'm not entirely dead. I feel like I've been given an, uh, another opportunity. And so I want to make the most of it. And if I'm spending all these hours at the gym, I'm going to Jesusify it. <laughs> it, uh, you know, uh, as much as I want to go there and I want gains to come and, and the numbers to change, um, there are so many people that I'm learning, getting to know. One of them, I need to call him out, his G. His, na his name is not G. But that's how, what he's known uh, by, known uh, as. And, uh, and he's quickly becoming a good friend. 
I want to I want to call him out because because he said he would watch this. So I owe this to him. He's, he's he's becoming a dear friend. Back to the story of this young man. The latest time I had an interaction with him, and we were standing in an aisleway, and people had to go around us, and and eventually I told him too. I said, Hey, look, um, just checking in. Like I don't I don't know if I'm coming on too strong, kind of thing, and and was ready to sort of disconnect. And then he stopped me, and he's like, No, 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 no. I'm looking for enlightenment. He said that. And all I was doing was sharing life and, and, and these things that I'm learning and, and things that I'm growing in. Uh, another young man um, overheard him complaining about work. <laughs> How common is that? <laughs> right? He had a tough situation. Um, his boss is a jerk. Um, I would say something stronger, but I shouldn't. Um, and so uh, he, he's a young man who is looking to get a ticket, become more uh, skilled. But all he's getting is being told that he's, he's such an idiot. I can't believe you don't know these things. It's like he's an apprentice. He needs to learn. Teach him. Uh, where he works, he's a, they're a customer of ours, so I know, I know who this man is. So how do I support this young guy, right? And several weeks later, I saw him, and I was impressed to go say something to him. And I said, like, okay, well, what am I supposed to say? And then we're left to figure that out. So I went over to him, and I said, you know, I asked him, how's work going? And you could just tell, oh, you know, it was just... He was okay up until I asked him about it. You know, just kind of see some of the life all of a sudden draining. It's like, no, 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 this isn't what I wanted. But I told him, I said, look, what he's saying to you and your experience with him doesn't, isn't who you are. Your identity isn't based on what he's saying to you. And, that, and that's what I offered him. And, and for a moment, he just, his eyes got big and he's like, wow, that's deep. <laughs> I said, I know. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up as a kid that was really, really inadequate, as I shared in my body type. Um, really struggled with self-esteem. Words are so powerful. And he needed to hear that. He needed to hear that from me, somebody he looked up, up to. And so these are just a few stories of my interactions um, in particular with, and there's a few guys now that I've connected both at the, gym, at the gym and the bridge. How neat is that? So what does it look like for you to live a life worthy of the calling? Likely different than mine. For some of you, it might look similar. So don't hear me saying that if you're not doing what I'm doing, that you're not living out God's will for your life. You know. You know where you're at. You know the things that God is calling you. Maybe you know a little bit about that. And so one of the neat things that I've appreciated about uh, being a part of Meadowbrook is, is to share those things with others and to be prayed over and prayed with. And so that, that's my encouragement. How do you discover your role in the church? Serve, try, show up, offer yourself, 
push through some of the things that aren't working well. And God can redeem that. Let's also remember that you only have to if you don't want to. I think that's all I've got for today. We'll call the, the, the worship team forward. Um, it's one of those messages to me that, um, like I said about coming full circle, um, you know, and, and, and given the lineage that I have or the heritage that we have here locally, um, I really feel quite privileged. Um, I didn't always see that uh, because there was a time where I felt victimized the youngest of eight kids, I was probably an accident. And I'm not, I mean, it is kind of funny, but you would believe how those thoughts about who you are affect your ability to move forward and to grow and how that stagnates and just, the, or even the fear of disappointing people or the fear of being misunderstood, how sometimes that just keeps us from pressing into who God is and what he has for us. And so the thinking this morning, and as I was preparing throughout the week, it's like, God, what do you have for Meadowbrook? Um, I think this is it, is just a reminder that how highly he thinks of you. Uh, he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And ultimately, it wasn't only to get you into heaven, but it's also this relationship that you can have and carry going forward and these interactions throughout the week I have again I'm very privileged to to have time throughout the week now especially with um, having a few of us on payroll now cuts me loose a little bit more from the business and uh, and so I get to have these interactions actually it didn't stop me before (laughs) we just called it public relations and uh, and so I've been very privileged to be in in a spot that I am but I'll say this I didn't end up here without trying uh, w- without stepping out and, and, and it, so God is this what you have for me next is this what you have for my family and, and off we go to Bible college and then we go to Alberta and then we faced with the challenge of moving th- three teenagers back here oh my goodness and I'm so thankful that God protected them it was hard and there was a time of, of, of some darkness for, uh, you know, for them. And yet, God is now using them as well. And so, uh, so yeah, you know perhaps in, in part what God is, is asking uh, of you this morning. And so that's my encouragement. We're going to close the, uh, the, our time together. Um, uh, and, and then we'll come up, back up for prayer.